Golade presents the Talking Bollocks podcast. Boom. Episode 60 of the Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud, the home of Irish podcast. It's me, Terry Flower. It's me, COB. And this week we're joined by... <laughs> Jenny Keane. <laughs> yes. So, my nerves are gone for this episode. Jenny is a sex educator. We put up a <laughs> suggestion box yesterday. And Jesus Christ, the questions. We thought it was a good idea because Valentine's Day coming up and all. We're like, do you know what? Line up perfect, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing Jenny said when she came in was, it should have been what number? Episode 69. So we're like, right, already we're on the back foot. Yeah. My nerves are gone. Shitting. Go Whoa. on. Jump into singles or? Yeah, go on. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Go. Tell for y'all out. Can't be what's happening. Right, so the singles from last week, Jenny, yeah? This, what is the, yo, this little. You know the, the rhyme, this little piggy went to the market, this little piggy sat at home? Yeah. What did the next little piggy have? Went to the, uh, I don't know. This little piggy went to the market. <laughs> yeah. This little piggy said at home. This little this piggy little had piggy, oh. had something. This little oh, piggy had it. none. Oh. And then this little piggy cried. Went, went, went all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> so what way do you do it then? I don't know. She can't remember. Yeah. See, we're putting you on the back foot now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I say bread and butter. And a lot of people oh. say bread and butter. Well, well, I'll say bread and butter then, <laughs> if you're sh- saying it. <laughs> so the thing I was last week is a bread and butter or roast beef. Because a couple of people say roast beef as well. Oh no, I say not, bread and butter. Yeah, not just a couple of people, 54% of people. So more people say roast beef. Roast Duty? Beef. Yeah. What? Most people say roast beef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even talk. Roast beef over bread and butter, 54, 46. <laughs> really? That's mad. Yeah, it's a bit well, When we put this out, a lot of people reached out and said it's bread and jam. It's bread and jam. <laughs> we leave the microphone alone. Uh, yeah, so that's all I'm going to take. Are, are you rubbing that? No, you can walk right, away. So my for this week, then, because I'm going to forget real quick, is, is it bread and jam, yeah? Or roast beef. Or roast beef, right? Because that's the winner, then. Right. The next thing I was, when you're in the shower, Jenny, yeah? yeah. Do you wash your hair or your body first? Um, hair first. Hmm. Mm. Why do we all have to think about that? 76% of people say hair. 24% of people wash their body first. Yeah, so we made a valid point that you should always wash your hair first because the door from your hair is going to drip down into your body then. I was like, all right, fair enough. That is a valid point. Yeah, it's fair enough. Forgot to mention. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the hide with. So, we have these mugs since we started, right, Jenny? The personalised. Obviously, just imagine this mug with my name on it, yeah? yeah. <laughs> because I don't know where it is. But uh, <laughs> we brought them over here when we signed the deal with Gowell Out and we had them for the first few episodes and then one week they were gone. And I was like, what's the story? Like, where's the mugs gone? Someone probably took them. We eventually, we got them back, right? And then they disappeared again. But <laughs> it's only, but I mean, like we've 30-something episodes over here and it's only in the last few weeks I was like, you know what? Them mugs are gone ages now. Let's go and get them back. <laughs> so we a reliable... We on last week's episode. A reliable source yeah. told us, right, that the mugs were on the third floor. So down on the third floor is where the big shots are. News talk, off the ball. Pack Henny and all the boys. You know all them, right? Dress code. Like you need, there's a bounce on all on the stairs. I'm one of them like, sorry lads, not tonight, regulars only. Yeah. So I was like, do you know what? I ain't going down there. My bollocks. 
So I went down last week and everyone was like, oh, you're being paranoid. It's not really down there. I went straight down the tour for last week. Mask on. Hold up. <laughs> March into the press and look what I found. Turn into smoke. Yeah. Fucking right. So there's no smoke without fire. My one's down there somewhere, and I'm putting out another message again. Yeah. If you return the mug, I'll leave it at that. No. I will not look for you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you, and we'll leave the rest of that. <laughs> Liam Neeson and Taken. Yeah. I'm just delighted that I have me mug. Why the drive home yesterday? Uh, last week with him in the passenger seat, you know, like the light and buzzing and all of me, they're devastated that my mug is gone. Happy head of me, I was delighted. <laughs> but, uh, right, my thing about this week. Hit me with it. Would you rather everybody be able to see your camera roll or everybody be able to see your search history? That's a great thing. Mm. That's a fucking great thing. <laughs> Do you like that one? Do you know what? My search history is fresh. Yeah. I don't... Am I going to really start the episode off with this? Well, well. I'm not big into watching porn. Right. So I wouldn't be like a thing on me. Of all, hang on, you're like, am I going to talk about this in this episode? <laughs> of all the episodes you could talk about that, it's this episode. Yeah, but I mean, it's so soon. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to mute as soon as Jenny starts. Mute. You're not going to whisper on me. Right. So yeah, so I think my search history is fresh. So you'd rather your search history be put out there? And your camera roll. Yeah, we all have the odd little lady picture on the camera roll, don't we? Just I've, to see how I'm looking. I wouldn't go that far. I have videos of people doing things they shouldn't be doing. That you can yeah. look at and say, ha ha, remember you did that? And they're like, oh yeah, that's gas. If that ever got out, like, that'd be trouble. No, I wasn't thinking dirty the way you were. And I wasn't thinking <laughs> that way. Yeah, I'm snookered. So what way are you going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> you, can, you can look at me search history, yeah. All right, so you're yeah. going in search history. Yeah, Jenny? Yeah, I'll definitely search history. As well? Yeah. yeah. That was quick. She's like, <laughs> yeah. off the bat. Step search history. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get into I, my camera. Yeah. I wouldn't mind my camera getting leaked then because then I'd be like, ah, oh, look, it's a funny video. Let everybody see it. You know what I mean? Is there not some dangerous old cats in there? Because when you said that. Like, dangerous in it for other people, not for me. Like, I'm not doing that, I'm recording it. That's a valid point. Do you know what I mean? They're not dirty, they're just not suitable for... Social not, media. Yeah, oh. they're not PG friendly. Yeah, 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 I'll get you, I'll get you, yeah. So what's your when you're saying? Well, uh, I say, yeah, leak me, leak me internet searches, we have searches, whatever you want to call it, yeah. That's a good thing, I'm having yeah. it. Yeah. Jenny. We asked you had you got a zinger earlier, and Jenny was confused. Yeah. She knows what a zinger is, but she, but she doesn't know she what it doesn't is. understand it. Yeah. And um, I literally okay. Would you rather have? I'll make a sexy one, right? Would you rather have sex in a Ford Fiesta, or <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of it. <laughs> I've already failed, guys. Why to pick a Fiesta? <laughs> a Fiesta. A Fiesta. More than you pink. <laughs> right, we'll we'll. The new bump magic, I think. An Audi TT. Yeah. <laughs> an What are you thinking? I don't even know why either of them are. I'm not fussy. Fiesta. <laughs> yeah, we go with a Fiesta. Fiesta's definitely big, I know. You can get a Ford off Fiesta. You can't get a Ford or a TT. That's a very good point. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, before we move on as well, live show, 4th of March, Liberty Hall, 8 o'clock. Be there, be square. Uh, we know tickets are in high demand. Uh, it's going to be me, Terence, 400 used lovely people, 
Maybe a few guests, maybe a few games, maybe a few things on sale, a bit of memorabilia. A lot of maybes there, but you'll just have to show up and see what happens. Will your cup be on sale? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm putting a ransom out on that cup. Whoever gets me that cup back, I told the boys last week, I went downstairs and it was late. And there was two boys down there doing bits. And I said, uh, do you like, you all right? And I was like, I'm looking for my mug. If you find it, let me know and I'll revolute you forever. I'm putting her up. Gosh. Putting her up there a tenner this week, yeah. That mug comes back here. Someone's getting a tenner. There's a handy little ten spot for one of these there boys, yeah? Right. Any suggestions, no? All the suggestions, whatever. That's it. We don't need suggestions. Because this is... Jenny. Focus goes to you, Jenny. <laughs> what do I do with her? Do we, we usually, what we usually do with all of I guess, is take it right back to the start. I don't even know if we need to... If you want to just briefly tell us... How you got into the line of work? Because yeah. that's what we, me and Terence were saying on the way over. Like, Can you get a PLC and telling someone how to have an orgasm? Like, You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a FETAC level five in fingering. Like, you know what I mean? That's definitely not how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, I suppose there's many different routes into this work. Um, but the way that I went is a little bit of... It's like a non-linear approach, which makes it a little bit hard to talk about in... A short space of time like I kind of think like the way I got into it is more like a spider diagram with like things all over the place but really what drove me into it was like my own curiosity around sex right and coming from a place where I hadn't <laughs> like sniggering he's like oh god she just said Sorry, sex yeah. but we say all the sex words now <laughs> so, so that it's all out there <laughs> um no this is okay I no, mean I think French, it's totally it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> Don't be worrying about me, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <sighs> Let's breathe. Just breathe. Yeah, they're yeah. all out there. Um, so yeah, I think uh, my own curiosity actually kind of got me into this path. I started asking questions very young, and I ended up um, taking off and going traveling in my early twenties. And when I went traveling, I started to just be exposed to. Um, so much more information and also like different ways of exploring sex that would never really be in Ireland, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think the main thing was uh, was when I was traveling, I ended up in, um, I, I mean, there's so many different ways to start this conversation, but I suppose I ended up in California. I was really into yoga and I started going to women's circles. They started talking about menstruation. I'd always had really difficult issues with my menstrual cycle when I was a teenager. So like really heavy periods, like I'd be bleeding for about two weeks, had cysts on my ovaries, all this kind of stuff. And basically, <clears throat> excuse me, I was put on the pill quite young um, in order to manage this. And so I was told as well, like going on the pill, like I, have lo I had loads of acne and it was like, oh, this will fix your acne. And I'm like a teenager going like, oh shit, give me the bill, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I ended up going on this. <clears throat> when I went traveling, I started learning more about my menstruation through these kind of women's circles. It, living in California, like it's so much more open over yeah. there. And I ended up finding myself in workshops with other women who were talking about sex in really open spaces. Like one in particular, um, was a workshop all around female ejaculation. And so I had been asking that question in my early 20s, like, what is this? Like when I was sexually active and I experienced it for the first time, I was kind of like, oh my God, water just came out of me. Or was that you, you know? And we didn't know what was happening. And he was like, no, I was like, that was you. And he was like, no, that was definitely you. And I was like, it definitely wasn't me. And then I'm Googling like, is it pee? Like, you know, all these kind of questions. And I couldn't, you know, 
information on sex wasn't as ready av readily available then as it is now, you know, and it wasn't as, I think, as openly spoken about. So I ended up in California in this workshop with a woman who was kind of, she was one of the women who kind of led the social and political sex revolution in the in the um, uh, late 60s and 70s. And just this kind of pioneer talking about female ejaculation. And I'm in this room with all these women who are also speaking about it, asking questions. And I'm realizing, oh my God, like this is so normal. Yeah. And not, oh, it's just so normal to talk about sex in this way. Like there's nothing kind of sleazy about it. It's just su super not open, or not judgmental, yeah. like super open, super curious. And I realized like that the questions I had and the questions that I were, what was asking was completely normal. Yeah. Um, and also the things that I was experiencing um, that I kind of felt like, oh God, I'm broken. You know, I wasn't actually, it was just that we had never been given, I suppose, the proper support through sex education, right? Um, so I ended up <clears throat> kind of continuing. I'm, I'm a super curious person. I've always been super curious and I've always kind of asked questions and like wanted to know the answers. So I just continued on down that path. And then I came, I was, when I, while I was traveling, I came off the pill and when I came off the pill, I started to realize like a couple of like really standout things started to happen where I, the type of men that I was attracted to suddenly shifted, but like in such a dramatic way that I was like, oh my God, when I was on the pill, like just to stereotype it, I was like really into kind of like gym guys who were eating like lots of meat, you know, like massive amounts of protein. And they were like in the gym, like pumping iron and going like, ah. And when I came off the pill, I noticed I was attracted like physically to um, leaner guys, like more like football style bodies and stuff of like this. And also my sense of smell changed. So who I was attracted to, what? like smell wise, completely changed. Um, and it was so, it was so, I was having like such a crazy experience with that like and it was so obvious that I was like oh my god I think this is the pill and then I was like what if I go on the pill and I end up like choosing a partner and marrying them because I'm on the pill and I come off it and then I realize I don't like them anymore like this kind of thing was in my head so I was like I, I don't want to be on this anymore so I went I my periods came back with a vengeance like full-on like if they were difficult before they were absolutely horrific to experience in that moment and I went back to a gynecologist and I said to her the only thing I don't want to do is go back on the pill so I'd like more options and we did loads of tests all this kind of stuff <clears throat> and uh, eventually like after a couple of times of seeing her her only option to me at the end of that was oh the best thing for you is the pill and I was just <laughs> like oh god <laughs> so for me I was kind of like that wasn't really an option so I basically um out of out of that and just feeling like really deflated actually by and uh, not having any options I ended up like going down more the holistic route so looking at things like acupuncture and understanding traditional Chinese medicine and looking at things like my lifestyle and what I was eating and then I started to get really curious about other things in terms of um, my yoga practice became more tantra yoga and then I started going into things like somatic um, sex, which is more body-based practices, right? So, you know, like psychology is very much in your mind, like, so it's working with your mind through talk therapy. Somatic practices are working um, working with through the body, right? In and through the body. So it's working with um, things like arousal. It's really good for working with the nervous system, really working for working with the endocrine system and the hormone system, right, in your body. So... Um, I was having really good results with this and I just kind of kept going into more training and more training and more training. And for me, the whole thing was like, if I had a question, I was kind of like, 
who is the best person, like the leading person in the field that I can go to to study with and answer this question. I started getting really interested in things like trauma therapy. And part of that was to do with the fact that um, you're getting all the <laughs> inside information here, but part of that was to do with the fact that um, <clears throat> when I was away, I had started moving from using tampons to using moon cups, which is like the sustainable um, period uh, products that you can have. I only found out about them today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a shock cup, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a shock cup that they use instead of a tampon, right? So mm-hmm. my missus showed me a video and it's a fella doing shots with one of them. <laughs> And she's like, ha, look at that. And I was like, what's a fella doing a shot? And she's like, no, that's uh, like, what, what are they called? Moon cups? Yeah, moon cups, yeah. And I was like, what? And this literally, I swear to God, this literally was only about five days ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm only at the point now about them now. Yeah, so I didn't like in the mat. Yeah. yeah, and so I had started using them, but I went, I was traveling and I used the tampon. And anyway, that tam- a tampon ended up inside of me for over two months. Didn't realize it. And when it finally came out, I was like, oh my God, how did I not know this was inside of me the whole time? And I started to question then whether I could actually feel what was inside my vagina. Isn't or that so dangerous though? Yeah, it is. It is completely dangerous. Yeah, you can have toxic shock syndrome, but I was thankfully okay. Like I went to a doctor and got checked out and everything. So my question then was like, how did I not feel that this was inside of me? Mm. And then I was wondering like, God, can I actually feel like when a penis is inside of me? And then I started to question things like sensation and whether I had numbness and whether I could feel anything at all. And I started to get much more into then things like um, sexological body work, which works with trauma therapy as well. And I suppose like the long, that's like the long story, but really the the thing that led me into this was just following my own curiosities, the questions that I had, finding the people that I could go to that would answer my questions. And for me, everything was always, I always learn best, like when I'm in like intense trainings and I never really intended to teach this stuff. Like it wasn't something that I set out to do years ago. It's just something that kind of like kept evolving. And the more that I started learning about it, I then started working with women. And the more I realized that that women were having the same questions mm. that I had and that absolutely none of us had the education to support us in learning how to, I suppose, um, take an active role in our sexuality. So when we're having issues, most of us just take a back seat and we become passive and go, oh no, like this is just what's happening to me. And we don't know how to become active. Um, and so, like I was saying to you guys on the uh, phone, right? Like that's the three biggest issues for women and men. <laughs> you guys are like, we get into oh, this force. Before you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, take it away. So, so we were put on the Jenny Boyer girlfriend patively and uh, <laughs> I, we tried about four or five times that day to have that phone call but we yeah. kept just missing each other mm-hmm. and me and Terrence were out in the pub having a game of darts or a few of the boys <laughs> and Jenny rang but it was a FaceTime call so me and Terrence sat in the corner of the pub and we are on FaceTime and Jenny's talking to us and the pub's going about that business grand. The boys are playing darts. There's people ordering food, people pulling points forever grand. But the more Jenny's talking, the more we're noticing everybody is stopping around us <laughs> and is looking. And me and Terrence have to pretend to keep a straight face and look. We're like, <laughs> yeah, Jenny, Lord blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Lord and the phone down. I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And the second we hung up, everyone was like, what the fuck are you getting into? <laughs> <laughs> it was a great phone call. <laughs> Darren's has been shitting it ever since ever since <laughs> ever since yeah. but go on Jenny yeah. take us away what you were saying but, yeah like the, I suppose like the three most common issues that women experience and men experience are, and it'll be in this order so with women it's generally an inability to orgasm or not knowing if they've ever orgasmed 
um, uh, low libido or a lack of desire for sex and then pain during sex. And the three biggest issues for men would be, and again in this order, right, erectile dysfunction, uh, premature ejaculation, and then low libido or, or lack of interest for sex, right? And I think the thing around the fact that, you know, it, like, I mean, what was your education like in school? Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember mine. Like, I just remember being in the class in primary mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and just having a laugh with the boys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they say something and you'd all laugh at it and all stupid. Like, it wasn't actually that educational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine was in sixth class. And I remember, like, yeah, like, oh, no. Like, you learn about all this shit. And then I don't remember ever going back to it. Like, even in secondary school, when you're actually sexually active, when you yeah. start playing down the business, like, no one's sitting you down and telling you, like, yeah. are you doing it right and what you can and can't be doing and what have you. It's yeah. just, well, I don't know. Like, is it a case of they're like, oh, you should have known this before you came to us? Because I don't remember anyone in secondary school ever sent me down and being like, hey, you, are you doing a proper whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be the same, yeah. Yeah. So, like, our education, the sex education that we received is, like, so lacking, right? Mm. That it doesn't give us the tools to kind of understand what's happening and why it's happening. <clears throat> it also doesn't give us the tools to learn how to explore our sexuality in ways that are actually healthy and um, safe, right? Because safe is super, like, be, is sa- this word safety and sex is, like, really interesting. A lot of people are really, like, kind of avoidant of it or think, like, oh, Jesus, that means it's not going to be fun. But actually, it's it's integral to a really healthy, functional, um, kind of uh, movable and changeable relationship with your sexuality as you move through your entire life. And because we lack the foundations when we're kids, right, and uh, learning how to you know, even ask questions about sex, it means like that's why Terrence is so nervous, right? Because yeah. the idea of having an open conversation with somebody about sex becomes absolutely terrifying. And more than likely when you are given education, sex education in school, it's generally fear-based and preventative, right? So it's like, here's all the terrifying STIs that you can get. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And oh, and like for girls, it'll like, and and you could get pregnant. Oh Jesus, you know, you don't want that, Right. So it's fear-based and preventative and nothing really comes into it in, in the sense of like, what about the pleasure that you can experience or the fact that sex is a really beautiful way to actually connect with somebody or also learn how to be emotionally literate, right? And so none of these are kind of in um, in our in our world at any point in time. And so it becomes there, it becomes a huge topic of shame and uh, secrecy. And so then when we start to experience issues, right, which most of us experience at some point in our life, right? Because sex is ultimately about connection, connection to ourself, can, and then learning how to share that connection with another. And, and you know this, right? There are times in your life where you move from being completely connected with yourself to completely disconnected. And it's learning how to traverse that kind of and navigate that space in between from, you know, stress to ease, disconnected to connected, right? Inflow to out of flow, all of these things that people talk about in the wellness space, right? And when we experience issues with our sexual, our sexuality, it suddenly becomes this like sentence, you know, it starts to become this thing that we think that there's something wrong with us, where we start to feel like we're worthless, right? That we're not doing something correctly. And it has this knock on ripple effect into actually all aspects of our entire life. Like I always say that like, um, your sexuality is inextricably linked to who you are and how you show up in the world because your sexuality isn't just about sex, right? Sex makes up probably about 1% of your sexuality. Sexuality is about 
um, who you are and how you express that through the world. So if you think about yourself being a sensual being, right, all of us are sensual beings in the way that like we move through the world by way of our senses, right? We see things, we hear things, we smell things, we taste things, right? We feel things. And the same thing, we give ourselves to the world in the same way. So there's this constant exchange and that's completely linked to our sexuality. So we say like, if you want to change the way that you have sex, change the way that you live. If you want to change the way that you live, change the way that you have sex. And you kind of, it makes it a little bit more easier to understand. Like for example, say for example, if you, I would say this to people, like what would be the top three ways that you turn up in bed? And say for example, you're like, you know, oh, I'm a risk taker. Um, I'm, I'm, it's easy for me to make mistakes. Um, and I like to add humor or something like this. Sounds like you're doing a job interview. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so, but these things are generally in your life as well. If you have a tendency in, in how you engage with your sex life to be passive or to let somebody else take the lead or have an inability to express yourself, these things generally show up in your in your day-to-day as well, even in work, right? Um, in your relationships with your family, with your friends. So all of these things have ripple-like effects. And I think one of the biggest things that I think uh, one of the biggest things that uh, happens because we lack good sex education is that we become passive in the way that we engage in our sexuality and good se- good sex education helps you to become active in that so to take control so when you are experiencing issues it basically just gives you options right rather than thinking like oh jesus i'm sentenced now my hands are cuffed i just have to live with this right mm. <laughs> i think so. i think i think i get it <laughs> when we told it to take control of the podcast, you fucking are taking yeah. control of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is like, if if you're more expressive in bed, you can be more expressive in your day to day life. Mm, yeah. yeah. And the, the two of my interlinked. Interlinked, yeah. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. Like, so here's the thing like, when it comes to, I suppose it's different for men and women, right? Um, and and we're being general generalistic like in this like we're really generalizing but for example when it comes to um the way that men have sex there's a huge thing around performance mm. right mm. and also productivity so that you're producing an orgasm right mm. and so this is what would this is the difference between learning how to switch between a productivity mindset to a pleasure mindset, right? And the productivity mindset says that, you know, and look at how we live in society, right? We are constantly doing things to produce something, right? And so if we're not producing something, it means we're not an asset to society. And this thing comes into our sex lives as well, where if we're not producing an orgasm or we're not producing a baby, then it means that our sex is somehow invalid, right? Or less than, right? Or that we're not good enough. Like women who come to me that have a difficulty with experiencing orgasm would really experience this, where the whole goal around sex is to orgasm. And when they aren't orgasming, they think then there's something wrong with them and that they're broken because of it, right? Mm -hmm. This has a knock-on effect then on their confidence, right? On their self-worth and and has a knock-on effect then with how they show up in their entire life, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Mm. Like, it makes sense, but I just never looked at it that way. Yeah. yeah. But you know what, you would, like, don't say you've never looked at someone and said, I'd say they're an animal in the sack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, where's that come from? Like, based off what? Like, just how they carry themselves? Yeah, I don't know. Where, where, yeah. So, obviously, it's coming from somewhere 
subconsciously that we don't know about. Yeah. That you can look at someone and say, I say they're good. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe we have always noticed that we just never thought about it. Mm-hmm. But like obviously you're making us think about it now. Yeah, that's lethal. Yeah. <laughs> and just to clarify, I'm only this nervous because my man no, has yeah. 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 shake, you know what I mean? And I'm on here talking about sex and all cabin, you're the same. And, and your kids and all. Yeah, I know me fucking Right. I was gonna say I was a virgin and all until you said I had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we go from here then? Right. Will we get down to the nitty gritty, Jenny? Yeah. So you asked us to do a question box yeah. and we did it. And I have to say, we got off the rocky start with the question box, but you delivered. Oh, delivered. So we'll start off with something nice and simple, right? Mm. Uh, no, we'll start it off with the other one. No, you can do it. Yeah? Yeah, go on. But, Read it out there, go on. So I'm going to start this off, yeah? Because every one of them is anonymous, but this person doesn't want to be anonymous. He said, throw that anonymity out the window. I, I want us to uh, <laughs> ask Jenny this, where his name. This is a previous guest on the podcast, by the way, as well. Sorry, Jenny, one it's second. It's a <laughs> Right, the question is, what's the best way to take double penetration up my arse? Definitely pass. <laughs> <laughs> you can say I asked. That person is Yui Martin. Shout out to Yui Martin. What a bother. Not a bother to that man. He's a fan favourite in this podcast. People love him. But Jenny, if you want to answer that question, what's the best way for Yui Martin to take double penetration? Double penetration. So the thing with, with, the thing with anal sex <laughs> is that, and when it comes to like penetrating, right, the ass is that you need to relax. There's two things. You need to relax the skin and you need to relax the muscle, right, around it because everything needs to be able to stretch. So that's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are now, Yui. Yui, the lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Poor they know you up the no good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Also as well, like a lot of times, like when people are, you were trying to like, um, I suppose, create more room to receive larger objects in the anus, they'll generally start using plugs and use from like, use a smaller size to then slowly start moving towards a larger size. The thing that most people do uh, wrong when it comes to using um, sex toys, especially for your ass, is that they'll use a plug and they'll generally like insert the plug into their anus and then just leave it sit there. And if you're actually trying to expand your um, capacity to receive more in your anus, then what you need to do is actually be pulling the plug in and out because that's what's helping to expand. If it's actually just sitting in the anus, I'll use this as my anus. <laughs> if it's just sitting in the anus, the muscles just hold around it and there's actually no movement, right? So it needs to be, you know, you're moving it in <laughs> and out and then there's a movement. So it's like actually helping to soften and relax the muscles, right? To keep them malleable, which is what you want. Every day is a skill lay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's, Question oh, one, box off. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Right. Will I just take the questions from here? I'm yeah. lost loop. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can masturbation lead to, like, to erectile dysfunction? Oh, yeah, that's... Um, okay, do you want me to answer this in a, a longer yeah. way? Yeah. Whatever way you yeah. want. Whatever way you want. We have a few ways to get through, you know I've what I mean? I've never been um, able to speak about erectile dysfunction in a long form in a podcast, so you're getting an exclusive. <laughs> so this is actually really interesting, right? So when it comes to talking about erectile dysfunction, you kind of have to look at it in a number of different ways, and especially when you're taking a holistic approach. So the first thing is looking at the erectile dysfunction in the context of today, and then you then look at it in terms of 
um, uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And actually that particular question, will masturbation lead to, or a lot of masturbation lead to erectile dysfunction, is actually something that really comes into the spiritual uh, section of things, right? You would, it's, it, it's a real Irish thing as well. When you were told, like, if you masturbate too much, you'll go blind. This is again, that like fear-based <laughs> really stuff. Did it yeah. Did you? <laughs> it's, but it's all that stuff, right? It's fear-based and it's kind of yeah. like coming from this kind of like Catholic guilt, right? Around sex. If you have sex too before a marriage, you're going to be doomed to hell, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, if you masturbate too much, the devil will get inside or something like that, right? So when it comes to erectile dysfunction, understanding in terms of the context of today is really important because only a couple of decades ago, the, the way that we had sex and the focus on sex was incredibly different. So the focus on sex was more around duty, marriage and reproduction, right? So it was like sex inside a marriage for the purpose of reproduction so that you could pass your land on to your children, right? And you could, you know, keep the name going. And because of that, it meant that um, it didn't really matter how long you lasted. It as also, long as you got the job done. As long as you got the yeah. job done. It didn't matter if the woman experienced pleasure or had an orgasm, because again, it's about the job, right? That had to be done. So when you look at then a couple of decades ago in like the 1960s and 70s, when you start to have like sexual revolution, you also have the introduction of and creation of birth control, which now suddenly gave women a lot more autonomy over their Um, desire to reproduce or not, right, and still engage in sex, it suddenly meant then that people had more options, right, when it came to sex. And that then changed the focus very slowly to, to away from, right, duty, marriage and reproduction towards, um, intimacy, connection, and most importantly, pleasure, right? So now it suddenly started to matter, right? How long a guy lasted because they were trying to, I suppose, um, move along with women starting to learn to take more space in the bedroom, have more, uh, uh, I suppose, more of a desire, right? To experience pleasure. And so that ended up then starting. So when people talk about like, oh, the rise of sexual, of, of erectile dysfunction in the last couple of decades, it's that's, because where, the standard is that's where it's rising. It? Yeah. yeah, it kind of, makes it seem obvious then when you talk about that. So when I talk about sexual dysfunction and erectile dysfunction, I love to talk about like learning how to redefine dysfunction, right? Mm. In um, kind of tantric and Taoist traditions, they talk about men being fire and women being, when it comes to arousal, women being water. And so, and this is like their arousal, right? So men are quick to ignite and quick to extinguish. Women take a little bit longer, so it needs to heat up, right? So you think about water coming to a boiling point. And so it's learning how to kind of use these two elemental forces to come together slowly and gently so that there isn't this kind of like one isn't extinguishing the other, right? Um, And so it's learning how to like come to boiling point together so that there can be steam, right? Um, But then moving on to uh, other kinds of sexual dysfunction, um, if we look at why it might be happening, right? When we talk about physically, you're looking at things like um, your lifestyle choices, right? So what you're eating is super important. Whether you're sleeping or not, your stress levels, are you exercising and how are you exercising? And this is linked directly to, when it comes to exercising, linked directly to um, your pelvic floor. So a lot of people who might experience sexual or erectile dysfunction, their first step is to go to a GP and their GP might like prescribe them a pill. But a lot of the times, Men, and, and people just don't know this information. And this is where I think sex ed is really important, mm. right? Where a lot of the times this, your 
um, sexual dysfunction can, or erectile dysfunction can actually be due to the pelvic floor muscles. So the muscles at the very base, the body, the ones you're sitting on right now, because we spend a lot of time sitting during the day, we have um, the uh, the pelvic floor muscles can start to become really tense, right? Or, or tight, like a hypertoned pelvic floor is going to cause issues when it comes to erectile dysfunction. And so it's really good to then go and see someone like a pelvic floor physiotherapist over a GP, right? Because they're going to work very specifically with your pelvic floor. Most of the time, like right now, if I was to ask you, are you breathing in the base of your body? Is your pelvic floor moving? I'd be very surprised if you told me yes, mm. right? Mm. And because our pelvic floor needs to move, it needs to open and it needs to close. It needs to open just like our diaphragm needs to open and to close. If that isn't happening, it means that our pelvic floor is malfunctioning, right? And when something is malfunctioning, it means it can have an issue when it comes to experiencing pain during sex for women, or it can be erectile dysfunction for men, right? And then if you look at kind of mental issues around erectile dysfunction, you're looking at things like um, uh, body image, right? Which is a really big thing. So looking at penis size, whether men are worried about this or not, worried about, again, performance anxiety. And this is that thing of like feeling like they need to be, you know, uh, rock hard, right? Which also comes that from that image of like porn, right? And then you have things that that's in the mental capacity, which is more kind of like, um, the psycho the psycho aspect of, of erectile dysfunction. Then you've got the uh, emotional aspect of erectile dysfunction, which has a direct link to what you're feeling and experiencing. So whether you're experiencing depression or anxiety or lots of worry in this moment in time in your life, your emotions are directly linked to your nervous system, which is directly linked to your sexual function in your body. And so this is going to have effect. And then your spiritual connection then is going to be the connection that you have with your sense of self, things like, you know, uh, Catholic guilt and all that kind of stuff. So that question, if I, if I masturbate too much, am I going to be, um, is it going to lead to erectile dysfunction? Um, these things are going to have an issue as well. So you're looking at all these things that can all sound super overwhelming, right? When you're going like, holy fuck, she's just said so much there and I don't yeah. even know how to digest it. But I think what's really important is, is that when you have the information, you then understand that, whereas sometimes you can go to a doctor and feel like, Jesus Christ, I've just been delivered a sentence. I've been told that I have erectile dysfunction. I don't know how to I don't know how to manage this or even where to start. When you start to look at things from a holistic point of view, you start to have more options so that yeah. you know that you can then start to take this active approach, right? In learning how to manage it, right? Mm -hmm. And work with it. And it can actually be a beautiful invitation to get to know yourself and also like get to work with your wellness in a different way, right? So there was a lot of info there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it actually all made perfect. No, it is. So just to reiterate though, too much masturbation can't cause erectile dysfunction. No, I mean, the only way that it might... Probably good for it. <laughs> well, the only way that it might cause erectile dysfunction is if there's um, too, like, if it's too hard. Like, yeah. so if they're, if they're holding it too hard and they cause micro tears in the yeah. penis, then that can be an issue, right? But if you're masturbating too much, yeah. Mm. Unless you're, like, really going out. <laughs> <laughs> really belly boxing. Yeah. Right? So, belly boxing. <laughs> a few rounds with yourself in the box room <laughs> but uh, right so we move on to the next one you kind of touch on this one is it true most girls like a small Mickey but fast mm. that's just how it's worded what now. do you mean so, small Mickey but fast how fast you can go as, oh yeah. Right. so basically I think what that means is, is does size matter 
Mm. Yeah, well, there's actually two two kind of questions in that. So the first thing is, is that um, uh, it's not so much about the size, but more what you are able to do with it. Like mm. every single size penis is a gift in some way, shape or form. A lot of guys like get the idea that like bigger is better and that women want larger cocks, you know, and this is really just coming from porn, right? Mainstream porn, which is absolutely not true. Um, like I think... Human over here. So, and when it comes to the idea of like hard and fast, right? Again, that's that like idea that's most been driven by porn, mainstream porn, and also as well by this idea of like performance, right? Um, it's almost like a achievement addiction or performance addiction where it's like hard and fast is better. Most of the time when people are engaging kind of hard, fast sex, which feels good, right? Sometimes, um, but it, it's friction-based sex, right? And so it feels different to sensual based sex. And when you, most women are just used to friction based sex, right? And so friction based sex is the hard and fast thing. Sensual based sex is when you start to have more sensation and more feeling. And this generally can lead to, um, I would say, I don't want to say bigger and better orgasms, but uh, a different kind of variety of orgasms, right? These, that's the short answer. Do you want me to go into it? <laughs> I don't mind. I think it made a lot of sense. No, I think once you hit the nail on the head with does size matter? Yes or no? I think it was more leaning towards the no there. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's just, it absolutely just depends on. I mean, it's like learning how to learning how to use the tool that you've been given, right? Yeah. And that's what it is. And like that looks like again learning sex as approaching sex as a skill. Like a lot of the time when it comes to sex, we can and this is like I think one of you touched on this earlier where it's kind of like, oh, you should just know what to do, right? Mm. This is one of the biggest kind of sexual scripts that we've been given, right? That we just think like sex is something that we should just know how to do and we don't need to kind of learn it or, you know, go into it anymore. But if we start to look at sex as a skill, right, and we have all these things like oral sex and um, uh, kissing and sensual massage or all of these different kind of things that you can do, penetrative sex, all of these things that you can do within sex themselves, then you start to look at learning like, okay, well, just like when we go to school, right, some of us have a propensity a natural propensity towards being mathematical, right? Whereas others, others might be absolutely diabolical. And some of us might have a natural propensity towards being artistic and others like might not even be able to hold a pen straight, right? And draw a stick man. But the thing about it is, is that, and it's the same with sex, some of us are naturally really quite good at giving oral sex, right? But we don't, haven't necessarily been taught. It's just something that we've learned how to do. Some of us might be really good at, um, riding on top, right? Whereas others might have no clue or just feel a bit clueless, right? And so it's the same thing. When you start to learn, uh, when you start to look at sex as a skill, you start to learn how to harness, right? Um, all of these different things so that you can get better in certain areas. So instead of looking at it like, oh, I'm shit at this, so I'll never do it. You can be like, I'm not great at this. I wonder, is there a way I could learn? Mm. And that's when you start to open yourself up to being able to experience so much more sexually, right? And so it's the same thing when it comes to penis size. 
if you have a small cock, it's like learning how to use that in like through learning very specific positions so that you can maybe access the G spot um, in a in a much easier way, right? Mm. Or that you also learn how to include sex toys, which aren't uh, like a lot of people think sex toys. I've, I get a lot of messages from women who are like, my partner thinks that if I use a sex toy, it means that he's not good enough and he's not satisfying me enough. And really it's learning to look that look at the fact that sex toys aren't replacing your cock. They're just adding a different sensation and adding a different... ego kicking in there, <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Imagine if you had to use a sex toy every time you've had sex yeah. for her to pleasure. That's bad for the ego, that, no? <laughs> no, you're right. I think you is, yeah. Yeah, but it's just more so looking at it like sensate. Like, if you can look at everything like sensation, you know? Mm. Like, your your penis cannot vibrate at a million times a second, you know? Do you so- want to <laughs> <laughs> After a couple of copies. <laughs> right. Um, that, that really... Put a damper on the whole size matters thing, doesn't it? Like I'm fuming sitting here oh, now. My whole like my whole thing was like it's more of a course than a blessing. It sounds right, but uh, <laughs> right. So them two are more leaned for towards the fellas. Uh, I have two here. Uh, one says they kind of are the same, so I'll just get them out mm-hmm. for your answer. So it's how they get your sex drive back. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm married with kids, mm-hmm. and then another one was I feel like me and my boyfriend have no uh, spice anymore. Same sex all the time. Any recommendations? Yeah. Okay. So. So sex drive or libido, right, would be very mm. similar. In, and there's a couple of different things that affect um, libido. And so she mentioned uh, having a baby, right? Yeah. So One of a, them did, yeah. You've yeah. Seen, I sent, I forgot to send you these ones, yeah. Did, is the first one she said she just had a baby? Uh, there was another one at the start who said she just had a baby, but I thought that might be different to this. Oh, okay. So well, read that one again then. So this one says that, uh, how do you get a sex drive back on married? I'm in my mid-thirties married with kids. Mm-hmm. Then the other one says that she has no uh, spice in the relationship anymore and she said it to her boyfriend. Have you got any recommendations? And then there was another one actually, it just remind me, uh, have absolutely no libido since having a baby. How do I get it back? Oh, right, yeah. Okay, so so then the thing with, so the thing with libido is that libido is actually a reflection of your overall health and wellness, right? So the way that we talk about like the same thing, physical wellness, right? Your uh, mental wellness, your emotional wellness, your sexual wellness, they are all completely and inextricably linked. Is libido just sex drive? Is that what that is like? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, people use it in the same, they kind of use it interchangeably, right, when it comes to this. So, but it's slightly different and it probably goes into a longer thing, but like, the one thing is understanding the difference between desire, right, and arousal. So desire is something that generally starts in the mind first, but isn't necessarily connected to the body. And arousal is something that is a body felt sensation, right? That's a lot to even take in. It's very deep, that, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So for example, you can be thinking about sex, but not necessarily actually feel an arousal state in your body, Mm. right? Yeah. Or your body can actually become aroused, but you don't actually desire sex, right? Yeah. Mm. So you could be looking at something and then like start to become hard or yeah. it can start to become wet, but you don't actually have a desire to engage in sexual activity. One of them you took her into the waistband. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nightmare. <laughs> School years going, just oh, in the waistband, yeah. stand up and relax. Yeah. Fuck shake when you get in the waist. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so those things like are, are two different things. When it comes to um, 
experiencing a lack of interest in sex or having a low libido. Uh, I think those things are really important because it actually means that, and this could be for many different reasons, right? So you have, again, same, same thing when it comes to changes in your body. So for example, if you have a baby, this is a, a, a hormonal stress in the system. And so it means that you've had a huge influx hormonally in your body. And so your body then has to recalibrate. Okay. And so oftentimes, um, this can, uh, this is a completely normal experience with actually, um, like uh, resolves itself, okay, um, over a period of time. A lot of the times women aren't told this, so they start to get incredibly worried about it. And that or, probably makes it worse. And then. it makes it worse, yeah. right? Because then we start to go into the mental stress, right? Yeah. And so also as well, a lot of women who are postpartum have huge changes in their body, right? And they start to feel like a lack of confidence with their body. And so again, this also has an effect on your libido or your desire for sex, right? How you feel in your body, you know this. Like if you're feeling good in your body, then you generally, it's easy for you to feel turned on. If you are feeling um, the opposite, it's much easier for you to to not feel turned on, right? So how you feel in your body is really important. Um, and then you also have things then, for example, um, you may just be experiencing more stress in your life. Stress and sex are inextricably linked. So again, like if you look at things of like what turns you on in your life and what turns you off in your life, like for example, like when you, when you're overworked, right. Or you have a project and a deadline to come to, or, you know, um, maybe you had a death in the family or you experienced a loss, like maybe you lost your job and you have an intense stress in your life, you're not really thinking about having sex in mm. those moments, right? Because your body is shutting off those kind of extracurricular activities, right? You actually don't need your, um, you don't need your reproductive system to survive. So it will shut it off. The same is said as well, if you're not eating correctly. So a lot of women who are on low fat diets, actually, this is having an adverse effect on your, um, your ability to create sex hormones. And so again, you start to lose your interest in sex or you would experience a low libido. Also as well, if you were on hormonal birth control, this actually kind of basically shuts off your hormones, uh, which also shuts off um, your testosterone and actually makes it difficult for you to produce it and use the testosterone you have in your system, which is also having an issue on your libido, right? So I say all of this not to be kind of like, come off all of your, all of your medication mm -hmm. and do all, like, it's not to say this, but it's more so just to give you options, right? To look into why yeah, this course. might be experiencing it. Yeah. Because there's more than just, um, I think what we're, th we're, we're made to believe, um, in, in our society, we don't really have access to this information as easily. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to like, how do you keep your, uh, sex life alive? Right. If we think of like desire, like this element of fire. Okay. And sometimes we have, um, the fire is like burning wild, right. And it's like amazing. And sometimes the fire is low and we look at this through our lives. One of the biggest things I think, uh, and probably misconceptions that we've been given is that we are supposed to maintain this kind of constant desire for sex within a relationship all of the time. But we are with, when we are in a relationship two individual, individual people experiencing life in a very different way, there may be times where your partner is extremely stressed and their desire for sex just isn't there. There may be times when you are extremely sec, uh, stressed and your desire for sex isn't there. And it's more about learning how to like navigate that, um, navigate that uh, environment in a way that's helpful for both of you, right? The idea that sex is penetrative actually creates more 
um, pressure for people when we start to look at sex as being including more than just penetrative sex, including things like intimacy and connection and touch and um, and tenderness, then you start to then uh, realize that just because you're not having penetrative sex doesn't mean that you're not connecting. So doing things like um, I know it sounds silly, right? But doing things like, you know, if you come home and your partner is really busy and maybe the kids were all over the place and they didn't get a chance to empty the dishwasher or put the laundry on, doing basically turning up for your partner and as a teammate, right, actually helps support you in your sex life as well. Because once someone starts to feel relaxed, once someone starts to feel like they have time to think about themselves, then they start to feel like they have time for intimacy and connection as well, right? Mm. And like another way as well, like, you know, doing things like I always think like watching porn is a really good way, but not mainstream porn. There's a lot of um really nice ways to like watch uh like ethical or um uh porn that puts women's pleasure as a focus and it's a really good way to kind of give you ideas about like how to change things up like a lot of us like when we're growing up we actually if we have questions we'll go to porn to figure out like well what is sex how do we have it like like what are the positions that we can use right and so when you start to look at um, porn that's focused on women's pleasure, it's very different to the mainstream porn that you see uh, in society, which has like a lot of negative um, effects on people's sex life and how they engage with their sexuality. But when you start to look at these uh, kind of um, these um, sites, you start to actually get loads of ideas. There's also ones as well like that are audio only um, porn. And so you start to learn like... Audio only porn. Yeah. So like you're listening to porn. So like someone's like uh, like dirty talking, <laughs> but in a really sexy way, like telling a you a story. Is phone sex still a thing? Yeah, I'm at the being like. So like oh, it sounds yeah. like that's what that is now. Like yeah. it, it switched from ringing up a number to like you can download an audio book there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like that's like there's I have like on my website I have like a resources page on my website and I have um like healthy porn uh, suggestions and I have this like in there. But like one of them is called Dipsia. And it is an audio only porn site, basically, that puts women's pleasure at the focus. So it'll uh, have loads of different things. Like some of people would be telling stories, other people would be describing what they're doing in that moment in time. But it's actually really beautiful mm. to listen to. Someone whispering sweet nothings in your ear. Yeah. Oh, and it's actually yeah. a really good way for, I always suggest it for women who actually don't know how to ask for what they want. Yeah. It's a really good way for women to listen to other women describing what's happening. And then they learn how to ask their partner for what they want so there you go it's a great answer missus coming out and whispering in your ear voice back <laughs> <laughs> right we have a so I, I don't really want to give these away but a girls group chat got on to me I won't say any names um, and they were touching on one or two things there's a few here uh, one of them you kind of already touched on is wing sometimes normal during orgasm so sometimes it can happen, yes, but more often than not, it's uh, uh, ejaculation, basically, female ejaculation. Yeah. Um, for girls, is coming and orgasming the same thing? Um, it depends on who's saying that, but yes, <laughs> I would say yes. Yeah? Yeah. Why do fellas think once they come, sex is over? 
So the job is done. <laughs> it's definitely a job. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's, that's the same thing that I'm talking about. Like when you talk about like this productivity mindset yeah. that we have in society that also filters into sex, right? So when we think like that sex is all about the goal of orgasming, once someone orgasms, it's like, job done, right? So that's ge that generally comes from the productivity mindset. And when you learn how to start moving towards the pleasure mindset, then you start to, one of the first things that you do is like learning how to remove the goal of orgasming. And when you learn how to remove the goal of orgasming, I kind of describe it, right? It's kind of like, you know, if someone says to you like, um, oh, I'm really good in bed. Like they're the people I would stay the hell away uh, from. <laughs> that's the worst thing. If one piece of advice you take in this podcast from me, don't ever do that. Because <laughs> realistically, don't, don't, do don't ever say I'm good in bed. If you're texting don't the board and, and you're meeting at the weekend, don't ever tell, oh, wait, you're going to do Our expectations. Yeah, because you're setting yourself up to fail. And like, we can all have an off night. Come here, let's really, can't be man in the match every week. That's you know what I mean? And just don't do it. You're better off saying, you know what, that was better than I expected, yeah. rather than saying, Jesus, I expected more out of that. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're on the ball. And another thing is, don't rush into it, yeah? A good uh, good way of analysing it is, when you go to the gym, you don't put the treadmill on 10 and jump on. You start off at 5 and you walk your way up. There you Valid go. Point. To get to the <laughs> 10. You know what I mean? It's a not a sprint. A lot here, you're on, I mean. your, on your way to be yeah. sex educator yourself there. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's it's completely like this. Like, so when you're talking about like, if, I mean, it's good to have confidence, right? But if you're saying to someone like, oh, I'm great in bed, what you're basically saying to them is that like, it's the difference between being a tour guide or a tourist, right? So you're going in thinking that you already know that person's body, but everybody's body is different. Yeah. And even if you're having sex with the same person, when you meet them, on a particular day or a particular week, their body has actually changed because of how, you know, what I talked about before, right? There, yeah. yeah, like maybe they have more stress in their body and maybe this. So it's always about learning how to like um, meet the person where they're at and be in this state. Like when you're talking about being a tourist, right? It's like being um, in a state of curiosity, right? Where you're asking questions and willing to learn rather than going in being like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Get out of the way, bish, yeah. bash, bosh. Yeah. There we go. Do you know? But not all fellas can, like once, most sellers come, that's it, it's game over. They, they go down. Not, what, do you what would but, you suggest? Like physically, it's over. Yeah. yeah. What I'm trying to but say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is where, you, so if the goal is, if the goal is orgasming and then they think like, oh, that's it, I'm I'm done for now. Most of the time, like, um, they're forgetting about the woman, right? There are other things that you can do. And this is the idea that like, oh, sex has to be penetration. If you take the penetrative side of sex away from it, it means that now you have more options and it means now and more options for connection, right? So it means now even if you ejaculate and you finish, it means like that you can still use your hands or you can still use your mouth or you can touch the person that you're with. And all of these things are feeding her and helping her to continue to orgasm, mm -hmm. right? Or continue to experience pleasure until... You know, she wants to stop, basically. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Valentine's weekend can be lethal for the yeah. women out there. Uh, what does a fella think of a girl that squirts? It's cool, yeah. Mm. What? Like, in what way? Like? I don't know. That's what the question says, Terence. No, that's cool, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. All right. Do what you want. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like, you know what I mean? I don't yeah, think she cute. wants to do it. I think it just happens. Yeah, it, that's cool. Yeah, uh, that's a big ego booster. Yeah, it's, it's a, a, it's a sign of a job well done. Yeah, kind of thing. they're like, oh, you might have done a legal job, but yeah. whatever. How does a fella weigh when they're hard? We do a handstand. Calvin has to grin the bat. <laughs> he filled the thing up. <laughs> uh, right, hang on, hang on, hang on. The biggest one that I've seen, the most common one I've seen about four times, is from fellas. 
how do you help with premature ejaculation? Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Premature ejaculation is another thing that I would say is like, definitely go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And that's a really good place to start. And then it's just about learning how to uh, control, right? So it means, so there's like certain techniques that you can do. Um, Self-pleasure is really important, right? Because it means then that you're in control a little bit more. So you can do this thing where, uh, you know, zero is you're totally okay. Like you're in the, you're in the go zone. 10 is I'm going to ejaculate or I've already ejaculated. So it's like, you're trying to never get beyond five or six. Um, and so it's like, you're, you know, masturbating or self-pleasuring and you do a couple of strokes until you start to feel that you're hitting the number five or six. And then you take a break, you pause and you're breathing, right? So it's very meditative in the sense that like, you're really breathing down into the base of your body and relaxing. And then you go again, inhaling, and then you exhale and you relax, and then you start to stroke again until you hit five or six. And so slowly that is starting to expand your capacity to experience pleasure in your body. So we all have a certain pleasure capacity. It's the same for women, right? With orgasm, like sometimes you'll have women say like, you know, they're about to orgasm and they go like, oh no, stop, 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 right? That we all have like a, a capacity for pleasure. So say this cup, right? And I fill this cup. That's my pleasure capacity in this particular moment. But it's learning how to make the cup a little bit bigger so it can start to hold more pleasure and more pleasure and more pleasure. And it happens like slowly and over time and you need definitely a lot of patience with it. But it's um it's definitely not something that you have to worry about. I suppose another thing when it comes to um, premature ejaculation and even that technique that I was talking about is understanding that it's okay for, and actually there was a question like this as well. It's okay for men to go soft, right? Or a little bit soft to lose that kind of hardness and then to become hard again, right? To go soft a little bit and then become hard again. And as you start to, um, I suppose, extend your uh, experiences of of uh, working with your sexuality, this kind of like journey of like hard, soft, hard, soft is actually quite normal. And the reason that you think like a lot of guys think like, right, and, and I, people, right, not just guys, they think like, right, dick is hard, sex is on, dick is soft, sex is off, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really coming from that, um, those, uh, I suppose, uh, sexual scripts that we've been given through porn, right? Where you think like it's all you see is a hard dick. Whereas when you start to look at healthier sites, healthier porn sites, like with, with like women-based pleasure, you start to see um, cocks are a little bit soft or semis. And then this starts to become normal, right? But this is never part of the um, kind of narrative when we're looking at porn. So we think as we're growing up that this is what it is. So it's actually quite normal to experience these dips. Um, and the... The problem with the with looking at porn sites that are only showing hard cocks means then that as soon as you start to go a little bit soft, men then you can start to and women start to get in their mind and something go like wrong. there's something wrong yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah. And then then there is something wrong because now you've just killed your desire, yeah. right? Uh right. Have you got tips for women on top? Oh yeah, I have a workshop on this. <laughs> it was actually a really popular one last summer. <laughs> I had over three thousand women in it. Um wow. yeah. So, and it came about as well, because like I have sex chats on my Instagram and I always put up question boxes and this one was coming up all the time. And I was like, do you just want to workshop on it? Yeah. And so. I uh, reckon that's a woman's most insecure. What am I trying to say here? Yeah. Thing, like, getting on top. Because if you ask any boy Jordan 60, I hate being on top. 
Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Most women are like that. Yeah, well, have a, so have a look at this, right? Like when you talk about like a woman being on top, like what angle are they at? Like you're down there, they're up here. And like look at the way like we even take our phones, right? So for example, like when men are taking photos, they generally have their phone out and like the camera will be here, right? In this photo, they like they're quite dominant, right? Their face, like, their jaws a little bit bigger. They look a bit more manly, right? You never see women taking a photo like this, right? Tubs you up. see women taking yeah. photos like this and then tilting it down, right? Because now they're like, oh, they're like head and also because of perspective, right? Their head is getting slimmer or their jawline is getting slimmer and they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller all the way down. You suddenly get a woman to go on top. What angle is she facing? The angle that absolutely everybody on social media right now is saying is the worst angle for women. Not that they're actually saying it, just that it's not seen, right? So Jenny, you have the game wrapped up. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. So yeah, like you have a lot of things. Like women's like they're thinking like, Jesus, all they're gonna see is like my massive jaw or my up my nostrils. And they're starting to think like this isn't sexy. I'm not sexy. And then they start to lose their confidence, right? So that looks like body confidence, right? Um, so one of the things I actually recommend that women do is this um exercise where they actually just like take time it's, it sounds really silly but it absolutely works to take time like put a mirror even in between their legs and just take time to look at themselves in a really relaxed manner so they start to see themselves more from this angle and it becomes less foreign right and when you're doing it like in a relaxed kind of meditative state it starts to rewire your entire body and nervous system to be like oh it's okay to be in this position right it's okay to look like this um another thing as well when it comes to sex on top or women on top is um uh, taking the lead, right? Confidence in taking the lead. And often, and this is again the same thing we talk about sex as a skill, right? So some people have this natural propensity towards taking the lead and they don't really need to think about it. It's just something that they've, they have the, they've always had the confidence to do it. And some of us are not good at that. And it doesn't mean that, um, you know, oh, she's good at this and I'm not good at this, which means I can't do this. It just means that some of us need a little bit more practice when it comes to taking the lead. And so really when women are are on top when it comes to having sex, they're the ones that are, that are that's driving the speed and the tempo and, you know, what's happening. And a lot of the times as well is that generally because we're only used to that friction-based sex that I spoke about earlier, right? Hard and fast, okay? It means that when we go on top, when women go on top, they're trying to maintain the same hard and fast tempo. Legs in a jocker. Yeah, yeah. And it's so it's much harder for women to do that. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes as well, they can only maintain it for a certain period of time, which more than likely is. And then generally it becomes about men's pleasure because they're like, I just want them to fucking orgasm at this point so I can stop and take a yeah. rest, right? So it, much, it becomes much more about men's pleasure rather than women's pleasure. So when you start to open the playing field, right, to sensual-based sex, it means that you can start then to experience different types of sensation, which means then that instead of going hard and fast, you're thinking more about like stroking, right? Like so long, soft, undulating strokes, which feels very different. And it also as well feels incredibly different for a man, which at first can be a little bit confronting because it's like, whoa, never experienced this before, <laughs> you know? And also as well, um, sometimes you won't orgasm from that point of view, which is also okay because that looks like orgasm habit. 
maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later. So the next one is, and what you already kind of touched on at the start with the three-man areas for the women is, even after foreplay, sometimes a hurt when he puts it in. What are the causes? Any help or tips for this? Yeah. So um, I always say when it comes to pain, like you should never experience pain during sex unless you want to, right? Because oh, some look people... look absolutely <laughs> The S&M fella. The S&M fella. Good luck. I can see the beads of sweat there. Who's at the button the heat on this room? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, because some people enjoy pain. Some people are into it. Yeah. Mm. But so, you, so exactly, you, you should never be experiencing it unless you want to. So if you're experiencing it, so what I would say for this girl in particular is definitely go and see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. They're really good at, in terms of figuring out if your pelvic floor is tight. Um, like there's many different causes as well. So they'll, but they'll give you a really good handle straight away on what's happening and how you can, and also a protocol for how to like help it, you know, mm. but yeah, pelvic floor massage is probably the best thing that you can do for it, which is why self-pleasure is really important as well. Um, <laughs> is there a certain position which is better for the girlos? <laughs> Better for the what? For the, for the, for the girls. Um, She's from no, it depends. It really depends. Like every 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 person preference. is different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always talk about like orgasm habit, and we all have, uh, you know, we all have a particular position or um, pressure or uh, way of touching ourselves in a in, to orgasm, right? And I, one of the things that I would always say as well is like when you want to start to experience different types of orgasm or more orgasms, it's learning how to change your orgasm habit, right? Because I always kind of describe it like um, when you're going to work, right? You know, it, when, I don't know, like when you're driving to work, like, or if you've ever had this experience where you get in your car and you know where you're going and you suddenly go into autopilot and then you like kind of almost wake up. Yeah, how do they get here? And you're like, yeah, what, yeah. what just happened, right? Yeah. So that's your body going into um, uh, basically being automatic. And we have all these automatic functions that help conserve energy and we have the same thing when we're experiencing pleasure as well so if we're driving one particular orgasm habit right or one particular way of experiencing orgasm the more we drive that route the more automatic it becomes which means then and also the more our body craves it so we say like when you want to start to experience different types of orgasms like so i'd have a lot of women who are saying i only ever experienced clitoral orgasm i've never experienced g-spot orgasm or squirting orgasm is it possible for me to have it i'd always say like that's where you have to learn to take a different route right on the way to work right so it's like <laughs> but it's so funny right because imagine when you're getting in your car and you're thinking like, oh no, I'm supposed to get to work, right? In order to like, that's your whole getting to orgasm. I'm supposed to get to work and you start to take a different route. Y your mind is going to go, no, but we don't know how long this is going to take. We don't know the traffic. We don't know where the traffic lights are. So your body has to do a lot more work. So it's going to try and pull you back onto that path that it knows. So it takes a little bit of time to actually rewire your body to start to explore different kinds of pleasure pathways. And this is why it's really important when you're wanting to experience more pleasure in your sexuality is that you learn how to remove the goal of orgasm because then you're able to kind of just go for a drive and experience the pleasure of going for a drive rather than trying to get to the end goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? You're answering so many of these. Like, I'll give you one question and then you're kind of touching on others. Like, mm. the libido one and then, like, increase your sex drive. You've answered all that together. And then there was one there, like, yeah, uh, 
I'm coming to you quick, how do I slow down? And then another one there from another girl that says, men don't realise uh, they come a lot quicker than us, how do I tell him to slow down? Yeah. So you've kind of already answered that one as well. That's it, like learning how to learning how to remove the goal of orgasm is really important and learning how to take your time. And this is really like where when you learn how to make sexual encounters a conscious choice rather than an accidental encounter, you learn how to... Um, approach your sexuality from a place of presence and awareness and slowness, which is really important, right? Um, which is a different way of experiencing sexuality and then also different to the way that you've been taught. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, stigma around SDOs, should it be normalized? Mm. Yeah, so uh, definitely. I mean, um, what do you say about this? Like, this is a conversation that we should all be having with mm. every sexual partner that we have, you know. Um, but the problem is, is that a lot of the time when we experience sex education, we're, you know, STIs are rammed down our throat as being something to be really afraid of. So when it comes to talking about STI, STIs, all of us are terrified, right? So it's very difficult to initiate that conversation and say, like, you know, when was your last partner? Like, who were you with? Um, did you use a condom? When is the last time that you had an STI test? Um, and also as well, like, you know, it's very vulnerable sharing because there's such a stigma around STIs and there's so much fear around STIs. If you are saying it's very um, vulnerable, right, to say to somebody like I have general herpes, right? Mm. So there's so much fear around it. And because there's so much fear around it, it means, and so much shame around it, we, it ends up stopping the conversation, mm. which ends up meaning that people who are experiencing this are experiencing this are either living in shame, right? And and not um engaging in uh in a, a healthy um, beautiful sexual relationship, right? Because they're like, I'm not worthy enough of it. Um, or um, this is being passed on, right? And people aren't speaking about it. And then there's a lot of anger and things yeah. like this. So it's absolutely like imperative. But I think the more you start having conversations, like, I mean, Terence, you were afraid like of having this conversation before it started, but like, how does it feel once you're engaging in it? I'm fresh. Yeah. How joy was fresh anyways. Me ma's watching my <laughs> nerves are gone. Me, mm. She better not be taking any tips either. Yeah. You have enough kids, man. Relax. <laughs> but that's the thing uh, about getting, like, what you're saying about getting checked. Because there is a part of a healthy lifestyle as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember I got the health screening. Mm. They gave me a full body health screening. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was like, I never got this done before. More people should do that. And it didn't click with me until you said it there. Like, more people should be going and getting STI checks. Like, yeah. We never got them done until we were in college, but that's like the college had like this initiative to go and get them done. And like, I remember gangs was gotten done together. So like everyone was getting it done. Yeah. There was nothing to be afraid of because yeah. who are you going to slag? Do you know what I mean? Because all the boys were going over together. You know, like that kind of thing. So you yeah. can't say, oh, look at him. He's getting checked. He must be blah, blah, blah. These are all getting checked. Yeah. So like, I think if more people are open about it, it does take the stigma away. Oh, but it is it? a stigma though. And it's so easy it to happen as well. Like, come here, like everybody's having sex. It, it could easily happen to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So like. Yeah. What's the big deal? It's like catching COVID. You know what I mean? <laughs> Remember at the start of catching COVID, such a like, oh my God, you caught COVID, then not realizing you sit beside someone, you can catch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it can happen. Yeah. You have sex with someone, you can catch an STI. Yeah. It mm -hmm. can happen. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not the end of the world. Like, let's start like, all getting checked. Like, yeah. There is a syphilis outbreak in Ireland last year. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it usually always spikes with uh, music festivals, though, doesn't it? Syphilis. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no. I don't know. I never heard well, that. You always hear like the spike in STDs and STOs after all the festivals. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd absolutely say, say so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
It's a normal for a girl to not moan during intercourse. They they spell the intercourse. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it works both ways, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's so actually it's really beautiful that you asked that question. It's like so. This is the idea that um, sex has to look like, feel like, and sound like a certain thing. So if I was to say to you, like, imagine a woman experiencing pleasure right now, you generally have an image that pops into your mind, which is more than likely a woman moaning and also her body kind of like moving and undulating and gyrating, right? And this is, again, that idea that like, like it comes from everything, from all of these kind of images that we ingest over time about our sexuality. So whether that's on movies, whether that's in um, music videos, whether it's in porn, right? All of those things. Mm. And um, and the thing about it is, is that women experiencing, women, women experience orgasm and feel pleasure in so many different ways. And so imagine if I was to say to you right now, um, uh, I'd like you to feel a part of your body that feels tight, like that has a lot of tension in it right now, right? Normally what you would do in order to feel that, you know, very rarely you would find someone who stands up and starts dancing around and being like, ah, I'm trying to feel the tension in my body. Generally to feel that tension in your body, you're going to like become a little bit slower, a little bit stiller. Maybe you'll close your eyes because when you close your eyes, you start to feel um, your attention moves towards inside of your body that little bit more and maybe you'll become silent. And that's because you're trying to feel your body. So sometimes when women or men are trying to feel pleasure, which is a feeling, right? The same as tension is a feeling. They'll become slow, they'll become quiet, their eyes will close and they might even become still. But it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing pleasure. It just means they might be trying to sense it or feel it in a different way than is, uh, I mean, different from the usual, right? Drawing mm. uh, <laughs> up during sex and how to stop this, is this normal? Any tips? I suppose that's probably like, a fella going soft during sex, would it be? Uh, yeah. So, th- so there's a couple of, there's uh, many different reasons why you might um, uh, dry up, like and have vaginal dryness. And again, it's kind of looking at your overall health as well. So it's very much linked to your overall well-being and what's happening. It can be tied to stress levels. It can also be tied to um, uh, your, like how you feel again about your body, also how you feel about your relationship. So if you're experiencing a sense of like maybe mistrust or, um, I don't know, even guilt, any of these kind of big, heavy emotions, um, if you've experienced loss, like all of these will have an effect on, on, uh, on, on your ability. Also as well, like looking at hormonal stress. So if you're taking birth control, if you're on medication, like antidepressants, depending on what age you are looking at, um, whether you're coming towards menopause, because these are going to have huge fluctuations on your hormone levels. Um, and also as well, looking at different times of the month. So is this happening every single time you're with your partner or is it happening at a certain time of the month, right? So for women who are in their active kind of menstrual cycle, there'll be certain times of the month where you are drier and certain times of the month where you are wetter, right? Um, so all of these have a huge fluctuation. So it's kind of hard to answer that without a little bit more information about um, what's going on for her specifically. Mm. But it would be looking at all of these different things, basically, and looking at like where maybe she can have a look at how to support her overall sexual well-being, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner is big and sex is painful. Any tips? 
Yeah. So um, this looks like uh, learning different positions, right? Uh, so remember we were talking about penis size yeah. um, and like how guys are kind of like, oh, I wish it was bigger. The One of the biggest things that I hear from women is, is this, that um, their partner is too big and it's painful. So being aware that again, the friction-based sex hard and fast is going to have, um, is going to be uh, uh, an issue when it comes to this. You're going to experience more pain during sex learning how to uh, receive a little bit more foreplay so your body softens and also the like your um, vaginal canal uh, is better able to receive, right? Um, also as well, looking at different positions. So positions where if you're lying on your back and your legs are up in the air, it means they're going to have greater access to your cervix. If your cervix is being hit hard and fast, you're going to experience much more pain, which means your body is going to tense up, right? Um, so, uh, and also as well, if you're going, actually, if you're having sex with a large penis owner and you're going from behind, so they're entering you from behind, so doggy style or something like this, they're more than likely going to be pressing up against um, the front wall of your vagina, which is actually where your urethra is. And, and sometimes this can be a cause for women experiencing UTIs where there's a little bit of um, swelling, which means the bacteria then it has a greater chance of kind of holding around that space. So it's just looking at like going slower, learning to actually guide more, which is really important, right? So if you have a partner with a large penis, uh, a large penis, learning how to guide them more and really talk about um talk about that right it's hard it's hard to kind of go in dark when it comes to communication because it's so vulnerable right like if I was to say to you like hey your dick is too big sometimes that can be a little bit like oh no you know um, or else they pride <laughs> themselves on having a large cock right and mm. then their confidence is going to go down right so it's just about learning how to say things in a way where um uh, people's, um, there, there's no shame there, right? So it's like, I'm experiencing a bit of pain when we go fast. Do you think we could slow it down, right? I'm experiencing a bit of pain um, in this position. Do you think we could try this one instead, you mm -hmm. know? And so it's just learning about, it's more so about stating what's happening and then inviting a question afterwards, right? So you see how I did that? Yeah. I'm experiencing pain in this position. Do you think we could try this, right? Yeah, there you go. Send them onto me board, will he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is sex really the main thing to keep a good relationship? Well, it definitely, it's definitely a big factor, yeah? Yeah, I'd agree. Like sex has to be good. I think sex is like the foundation of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. That's why, I, not that I don't understand, I do understand it, but I hate people that sort of go, like if you have no sex on the first date kind of thing. But not even on the first date, but I mean, people who keep you waiting and you're like hold on a minute yeah this can go on for three four months we could do it and it just couldn't be right and then you're like all that for that yeah do you get me so i think it actually can... adds more pressure to it yeah and that's not saying like oh we're good in bed sometimes the sex just isn't good between the two of you and yeah. it's just like ah there's just no point. connection yeah and you're not gonna just do it once and go right that's not working so you have sex a couple of times and, and then you like, realize it's just, yeah, it's not, just not happening yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. what do you think jenny you know so I actually think it just depends on the person and also the couple. So some people, uh, for some people, sex is really, really important. And actually it's a way that they can express and express love, right? And also receive love. So um, yeah, it's absolutely important for some people. For other people, it's less important, right? Mm. Uh, so it just really depends, I think, on the couple and their, and their, um, and their own personal preferences. Uh, I think what's really important is like understanding that, um, you know, throughout a relationship, 
you are going to have, again, highs and lows within that based on what's happening in your life. Mm. So, and, you know, for example, like things like we, I think we spoke about this a little bit earlier, but things that, you know, when you experience like, you know, things in your life, like where sex just isn't a top priority, it's learning how to navigate that. And it's actually a call to learn how to connect in different ways, right? Rather than seeing a lot of people think like, oh God, we haven't had sex in a really long time. You know, um, this means, you know, the relationship is over or this means, you know, I don't love this person anymore or this means that we can't continue or I should be with somebody else. And I think when it comes to a relationship, you know, uh, love is, I'm not a relationship therapist, just to say, but yeah. love, I think is ultimately a choice, you know, and you choose, um, all the time, like every single day, week, month, year, whether you're going to continue that or whether you're not. And I think it's really learning about like how to continue to navigate, you know, through, uh, through life, which is full of, you know, lots of lovely moments, but also full of challenges. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it just depends. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely subjective. But personal yeah. preference, I think there's a lot that... There has to be a good spot. ...can be established yeah. with a sexual connection. Yeah, you know? absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, why did being... Uh, sorry, why did being a slut get rebranded as empowerment? <laughs> um, this is one that... Because Jenny asked me yesterday to yeah. send on a few early on. So the question box was only up about 20 minutes. And I sent her on a few and you... This one caught you all right. Yeah, I lo- yeah, I really liked that. I was like, yeah, I was, um, okay. So when it comes to the idea, like this word slut, you're kind of looking at, like in Orgasm Online, um, I talk about the, um, sex, the developmental stages of our sexuality. So just like we have developmental stages within our kind of humanness, right? So we start off as infants and then move to toddlers and then children and then pre-adolescent, adolescent, adults, like and we keep going, right? So just as we develop, we also have sexual development as well. Um, and one of the stages, I won't go through all of them because it'll take ages, yeah. but like one of the stages is sexual um uh, sexual activation and sexual exploration. Sexual activate or two, there's two of the stages. Sexual activation is where your hormones begin to kick in, right? And um, this is really where your sexuality is informed by the people around you, right? So your peers are informing what you think about sex and also your sexual beliefs and the foundation actually of how you um, engage with your sexuality. And it's all based on what other people are doing. So for example, some of you, some people may, um, like I went to an all girls Catholic school, right? And we had some girls who were, um, you know, called sluts because they were kissing multiple people at different points in time. Like, like, did you remember that game, Beat the Slapper? I don't know if you had that. We had that like in my in my era, and it was like where you were trying to kiss as many people as possible. And um, then you move to sexual, and so you're you're figuring out people are when you're this age, right? So when hormones are kicking in, you're around, you know, 14, 15, 16, this kind of age, you're learning to use your sexuality as currency, right? Mm. To get attention or popularity or friends or love, right? And so you're learning how to exchange your sexuality for that. You can see this in this day and age when it comes to um, Instagram, right? Like they're, they're like the kids who are growing up now, God love them. Like my peer group was, you know, my school and my class, right? Whereas their peer group is now worldwide and they're looking at how they can exchange their sexuality 
for likes and followers and paid spon- like paid promotions and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you see like these trends actually happening then where girls are wearing particular types of clothes, guys are expressing their sexuality in different ways as well, all based on like who's popular, like look at Kylie Jenner and how they, and or Kendall, no, yeah, Kylie Jenner and how she kind of like has pushed this massive movement towards like like kids getting Botox and all this kind of stuff, right? Like big tits, big ass, all that kind of stuff, right? So um, then you go into sexual exploration and in sexual exploration, this is now where you're starting to figure out what you like and what you don't like. So whereas before you're maybe kissing a girl in front of a guy and you're doing it more so to find out what other people's reactions are to it so that you know where you stand. When you move into the sexual exploration stage, you're doing it more so for yourself, right? So you're like wondering, do I actually like this or do I not, right? Mm. And so um, a lot of the time when it comes to this word slut, like it's a way to shame someone who Mm. is exploring their sexuality, which is actually a really normal part of your development as a human being and a really normal part of your sexual development. And it's actually really important, right? So, um, uh, sexual, um, so the word slut, I think started to transform and take hold of like, and become a word of empowerment when people started to talk about this a little bit more and realize actually this is completely normal. I want to understand who I like and who I don't like and what I like and what I don't like. And this is all about learning who I am and how I express myself sexually. And sometimes some of us will do that by changing partners. Right. Mm. And so, um, it's learning then how to, like when you learn how to um, own your desires, right? And own what your the way that you express your desires, then you learn, and those desires are really coming from something, I always talk about something that moves from the inside out. Like you want to do this, right? And uh, then it's, then that's when your sexuality and how you express it turns into sexual empowerment. So it means that by someone calling you a slut, it will have very little effect on you because you're just like, cool. That's mm. fine. That's it all you, you know? Is, yeah. yeah. And I think it's like interesting because when you have someone, you know, who's calling you a slut, like um, someone in front of you, like whoever it is, a guy or a girl, but um, if you have someone who's caught, like I, I, I got messages before from women who were saying, I'm with this guy. He found out how many people I was, and I was with in the past and he called me a slut, you know? For, for me, I would just see that as like such a shame for him because he has someone in front of him who is maybe possessing qualities of um, openness and curiosity and understanding yeah. and also adventure, right? And there's this adventurous spirit, right? When someone is like really open to expressing their sexuality. And when you call someone a slut, you are shutting that down in someone, but you also shut shut down your opportunity to experience something that could be amazing for you. You know, like someone taking your hand and being like, let's do all this mad stuff and see what it's like. (laughs) Right. So I think like, it's kind of like, it's kind of interesting how we engage with that word. But I think, you know, the idea of like reclaiming that word slut is, um, I don't, it has nothing but good good things, you know, Mm. attached to it. Yeah, no, I thought it was a weird one. Yeah, because we talked about this yeah. and it was like, to me, it was just like a, an immature thing. Do you know when you're like a teenager, you'd be like, oh, she's a slut, she's a slut. Then yeah. you're just, you're in your 20s then and it's just like, right, it's grand. Like, you know, like Mom. you cop on, it's just like, yeah. if she wants to come out and get a bit, let her more power to her, like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't look But we always different. used to even say that when we were teenagers, how was it all right for? 
main the boys to go out yeah. and do what we want. Boys, but if sheep a girl and, does it, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was always a question. There was a thing I heard about that and it's because it's like a, a primitive thing. So like if a fella sleeps with nine women, there's a good chance there'll be nine babies from that. Mm. But if a woman sleeps with nine men, she's still only going to have one baby. And it's like bred into you, like that's wrong, what are you doing? Doesn't make sense. And I was like, you know what, it's a, it's a good way of looking at it, but is that what's happening in society then? It's just an immature. Oh, I think it is immature because it's like if you're a grown human adult, if you want to you have sex with someone, you can have sex with someone. Want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. But I suppose what we better uh, say as well, touch back on the SCI thing, wrap up as well. Pra- <laughs> do practice safe sex because <laughs> they are out there. You can't get an SCI sitting beside somebody. I know I said that about like catching COVID, but what I was trying to address was the shame, the shame yeah, factor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. practice safe sex, get checked. And uh, get checked for multiple things as well. Not just as, not just STIs. Like, yeah. get a health screening as well. You know what I mean? It can uh, it can help you in the long run. Yeah. Uh, right, we're nearly nearly finished. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna ask next? Do we? Well, we talked about it at the start, so I should hope you you've thought about it. Any embarrassing sex stories? I. Uh, I don't know. Nothing stands out to me that mm. I think it'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Like things have happened, do you get me? Yeah. But I don't think I'd be able to sit here and say, oh, this fucking happened me mm. and everything. Do you get me? But yeah. yeah. There's the one that plays on my mind. Uh, <laughs> and it's weird, do you know what? Because I reckon if I say this and the girl is listening, she'd be like, he's a weirdo for even remembering that. Because I don't think it was that big of a deal at the time. Oh, for you, it's traumatic. Oh, traumatic. <laughs> my ego was absolutely deflated. So it was about 10 years ago, probably more. I was with this girl in a car and we were boxed off somewhere and we were about to do the business. I was about to go in. But because I'm on top and I'm looking down and I can't see what's behind me, a car turned the corner. So she's seeing the car's headlights and she goes, oh, what's that? And I was like, it's me dick. <laughs> Thinking like, yes, this yoke's doing the business. So my ego went from zero to a hundred and she goes, no, there's a car back down to zero again real quick yeah <laughs> so I remember just I went home thinking bollocks and it's still to this day 28 years of age yeah I doubt that you even knows who I am that haunts me yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just wake up in the middle of the night bollocks <laughs> have you had anything else? Eh, uh, not off the top of my head no like it's not that like mm-hmm. common is it to have like I don't know party. there's one or two people like will have a go to you know where like they got caught or something like that but yeah yeah, no, yeah. I haven't really gone and, and I don't know. No. Makes us sound like bored and cunts. But like, <laughs> should you be having, I don't know what kind of sex are people having that like they're leading themselves in these situations where they get? Yeah. Jenny. Jenny, <laughs> you, have you any? Sex One or two, no. Um, I, I wouldn't say I have embarrassing sex stories. Funny ones. Um, Funny ones. I don't know. I feel like Ireland wouldn't be ready for my sex stories just yet. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> grand for the second years. time. <laughs> I actually always tell um, sex stories in my workshops. That's where like people get the the scoop. She's dangling <laughs> the carrot there at the point yeah. to sign up to the, yeah. the, the workshop. We're not got a little workshop. one for us, Jenny, because I don't want to be the only fucking one who's that to make a show of himself here. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. No, I don't sound. Know. Can we cut what I just said out, please? Yeah, sound. Thanks. We'll leave that, that there. <laughs> uh, you said your man's listening. More than likely, my man's listening. Yeah. Shout out to Anne, who's my mother-in-law. Now she's listening because uh, she was giving me a load of sticks. She was like, I'm looking forward to the next week. Go and see how embarrassing you are. <laughs> Anne, if you only knew the things I was doing to you, young one. <laughs> 
we'll wrap this one up. My dad is listening. As well. Well, look at that's why you, you, you are smart, not uh, answering this embarrassing sex stories question. <laughs> yeah. Well, no problem. No shame in my game, pal. Yeah. Fuck everybody. Yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm going into self-destruct mode now because I'm about yeah, to hang myself out the dry. <laughs> right. We'll wrap this one up. I'm at the break in the studio and all. Yeah. Cut all this. <laughs> Jenny, thanks for coming on. It was fucked. an absolute pleasure. Thanks I'm, for coming on. Holy shit. I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth now, yeah? <laughs> now, Jenny, thanks for coming on. Uh, when is your next workshop? Um, I have a couple of things. I, I generally like have workshops based off the conversations that I'm having with people online. So it's like I don't really have like regular times for them. But I have lots of stuff happening this year. So it's Have you got anything you want to plug in there, will you? Yeah. Uh, I seen you had something you announced on your Instagram. What was that? Did I? Yeah, you had on your stories. Uh, oh, that's just I'm going to be doing events this year, so in person. So I normally do like um, workshops, and I do workshops that happen regularly. In terms, of, like one of the biggest ones would be Orgasm Online, and this is like essentially telling essentially the sex education you never received all about orgasm what is an orgasm where is it in your body how does it function all that kind of stuff right and then I do workshops on libido so talking about sexual wellness talking about desire you know arousal um libido all the different things and then we do other ones and as I said like ones about um woman on top we also do anal sex workshops which I was so surprised about last year when that ended up coming up. Yeah, we Martin be shining up. Yeah. Never, <laughs> never thought people would want this, but actually it ended up being one of the um one of one of the best workshops and one of the ones that a lot of women had FOMO over. Um and yeah, so there's tons of stuff that we do and I'm like it's constantly evolving based off like the women who are engaging with me as well. And um, we're definitely going to be doing some couples workshops this year. So you're welcome to join. Sound, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm probably going to be dumped after this. <laughs> no, you definitely won't. You did really well. <laughs> yeah, I did until the end. <laughs> you got, you got carried away. Didn't <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> uh, no, like it's difficult to talk about sex, I think. No, it is. Yeah, it was no, it wasn't that difficult to talk. Yeah, but saying, you didn't talk. I say one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just nervous. I was saying, God knows where this could go. When the mad like where that's at to coming from, like you're nervous because you never talk about this. You know, like that. Like we're never told to talk about it. it it's caught on a platform. Like I could sit down with somebody and mm. let you have a full conversation about it. Cool. Mm. When I'm sitting here, like. God knows how many people's listening. Me ma's listening. Mm. She starts asking questions. I'm fucked. What do you mean? You're 24 <laughs> years of age. Does your man know you're having sex? I'll yeah. tell her now, he's having sex. <laughs> Snapple. <laughs> no, but it's it's super important, right, to have these conversations and to make them um, more normal, you know. I think this is like one of the things though about the work that I'm doing and how it really catches people off guard, like in Ireland. Like in lockdown, I exploded and I think it was because I was an Irish woman with an Irish accent speaking about sex in a really open very normal way uh, and then also in a way that people hadn't heard before you know and that what was really powerful started to inspire people to be talking about sex in the same way like when they're coming to workshops there's hundreds and sometimes thousands of women on the workshops and when you're in a room with like 800 other women talking about orgasm and they're all asking questions which are the same questions you're suddenly like 
oh my God, I'm not alone mm-hmm. in what I'm curious about or in what I'm going through. And that is, I suppose, the biggest thing that helps to remove like stigma and shame away from the conversation about sex and make it so much more open. And I think it's brilliant that like, you know, two guys are 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 here <laughs> willing to talk about sex, but so openly because mm-hmm. it is a really difficult thing to do, you know, but it's also super inspiring to see and it is the catalyst for like ripple effects that have, you know, huge changes through, you know, our own individual lives, our our relational lives and then also our community and then nationally as well, you know. Yeah. Super well, important. All is hope you're enjoying this on Thursday. Uh, have a great Valentine's Day. Have Take a, a few great tears from Valentine's it. Day, yeah. And that is that you want to know that we didn't cover. Give Jenny a show. Hear about workshops. <laughs> yeah. And we'll wrap this one up. All right, take us out, Kino. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you back in it? Just a little more. Oh, you're waiting it now. Fill your body again. Walking hard and low. When you finish that. The hip knocker. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down.